Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello there, welcome back to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now, first things first, ladies and gentlemen, I want to apologise for the lack of episodes over the last probably four and a half weeks. It's been quite a long time. Now, the reason for that, unfortunately, is I have come down with that dreaded winter flu and really haven't been in a position to actually record um, just due to the sound quality it certainly wouldn't have sounded very good um for those of you who are avid listeners can probably tell there's still a little bit of a croak to my voice um but i'm recording this on new year's eve so for those of you who are wondering when we when these are uh, actually get recorded this is how late it's been this was actually supposed to be your christmas episode and i do apologize because it is a week late I will be doing a roundup of the year uh, as well. That will be coming pretty soon as well. Um, but obviously, last year I managed to do the entire year's roundup for New Year's Eve and managed to miss the death of Betty White. And uh, boy, did some of you guys call me out on that one, missing that out. So I didn't want to make the same mistake this year and have someone die on New Year's Eve uh, and me miss it out, or there be a big event that happens on New Year's Eve. So that one will be recorded uh, in the next couple of days. And we have got a fantastic episode coming for you next week as well, um, which is the long-awaited interview with Brad Meltzer. That will be recorded next week. Brad Meltzer and Josh Mensch um, are on the show. So keep your ears pierced for that one. That should be a very good episode. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about a very, very famous event that happened in the First World War. In fact, 
It's so famous that in this country, John Lewis, which is one of the most famous department stores in Great Britain, decided to do a Christmas advert on them. Now, John Lewis do a Christmas advert every year, and it's fantastic. Um, And this was one of theirs, uh, and it was on the Christmas truce during the First World War and Christmas 1914. Now, I'll set the scene a little bit for you guys. The First World War started with a bit of a rush. Uh, Britain went to war with Germany and Austria, Britain, France and Russia all declared war on Austria because Austria declared war on Serbia. Uh, For those of you who have listened to the Gavrilo Princip episode that uh, my dad did, he was the gentleman or the Serb gentleman who killed Archduke Franz Ferdinand, which was the spark of the First World War. And it drew everybody in. Every country across Europe was dragged into this war. Um, well, I say every country, majority of countries across Europe. There will be someone who goes, Switzerland was neutral. Y- yes, they were. Um, there were a few neutral countries. Um, but vast majority of Europe was dragged into war in 1914. And the uptake of war in Britain was pretty popular. And British people were, they were up for it. You know, there was this big, the war will be ended by Christmas. You know, 1914, we'll all be home. We'll all be home for Christmas. And what are we worrying about? So we'll sign up and everybody signed up. And there was this big influx of uh, volunteer soldiers. Now, what is interesting to remember in the First World War was Britain didn't have conscription in 1914, every other country did. So the French were regular soldiers, the Germans were regular soldiers, and the British were volunteers, they were volunteer soldiers that signed up. And everybody joined the war in this feel-good, jolly thought that the war was going to only last a couple of months, and everyone will be back home for Christmas. And then they got to the Western Front and reality set in that this was not a nice war. This was a horrible, bloody, just nasty war Um, and it wasn't going to be ended very soon. You were at some points on the Western Front 30 yards from your enemy's trench. Um, The trenches obviously running all the way along France into Belgium and up to the coast and you are at some points you could see your enemy with your own eyes you you didn't need binoculars you didn't need to you know you could probably throw a grenade trench to trench you know if you've got a decent arm you could you could do you not know, it was they were that close it was that horrible it was muddy it was wet and come christmas 1914 both armies had had enough they knew this war was going to carry on for a long time they knew it wasn't going to be over at christmas and all of the people that believed they were going to be home at christmas were sorely mistaken now the story goes that on christmas eve uh, 19 1914 sorry there was a song heard from a few German trenches across the Western Front. And the song was Silent Night. 
I'm not going to grace you all with it, as I can't sing it in English, let alone in German. Um, but I'm pretty sure we all know the song Silent Night. And the British soldiers and the French soldiers, they knew this song too. So they started to sing back, obviously, in their own language. But the tune is exactly the same. There was a moment's silence between the singing and it's reported from a few British soldiers that a German soldier yelled tomorrow you no shoot we no shoot and the British replied okay now I don't know the stories on the rest of the front because I know there was a lot of places along the western front that this happened um, but the that was the essence of a truce for Christmas Day. Now, the truce occurred five months after the start of the First World War. And there were lulls in the fighting during the war where men had died, armies had run out of uh, ammunition. Um, there were also stalemates on the Western Front um, for like the Red Cross and people to go on to the 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 no man's land and collect the dead bodies so there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of an understanding between the two armies that you couldn't fight constantly all the time so there was lulls in the fighting i'm just going to apologize now because some idiots at half past five have decided to set off fireworks for new year so if you do hear bangs in the distance i'm not being attacked these are fireworks that people are setting off six and a half hours early don't ask me why i have no idea um before christmas 1914 there were several peace initiatives um the open christmas letter was a public message for peace addressed to the women of germany and austria um, this was signed by 101 British women suffragettes. Um, Pope Benedict the f- uh, 15th on the 7th of December 1914 begged for an official truce between the warring governments. He said that the guns may fall silent at least upon the night that angels sang. Um, and this was actually refused by both sides. So there were calls for the end of the war. There were calls for a ceasefire or peace talks to begin coming up to Christmas and they come like I said in that they came from the the British side they came from the German side they came from the Pope um but these were all ignored they were every every everyone said no the British the Germans the French the Russians the Italians no point blank no this war's carrying on now obviously like we stated at the start of the episode some of these trenches were so close together that you could physically talk to the people on the other side. Um, and fraternization and peace was, you know, friendly interactions between the opposing forces was quite regular. Which is really strange to think that, you know, these are warring factions. But let's be honest, no one wanted to be there. The Germans didn't want to be there. The British didn't want to be there. Nobody wanted to be there. So they sort of had a bit of fraternization between the two sides and in some areas both sides would refrain from aggressive behavior while the other case uh the other side 
extended a conversation or even visits to from one trench to another. So it wasn't unheard of that people would cross no man's land to go and talk to their German comrades on the other side. Um, on the Eastern Front, there were reports of incidents of spontaneous truces between the Austro-Hungarians and the Russian forces. Um, but this again was only this was only in the first few weeks of the war. Truces between the British and the German units dated in early November 1914. Um, and that just goes to show that no one, you know, it really does cement the fact that no one wanted to be there. You know, you didn't, you'd even talk to your enemy. There wasn't this hatred between the sides that was sort of pictured back home. You know, the British really drummed in this that. Germany is the enemy. In fact, they drummed it in that much that the royal family changed their name to Windsor. Uh, for those of you who don't know the British royal family, are descendants from Germany. Uh, in fact, King George was cousins with Kaiser Wilhelm. So that just gives you a little bit of a bit of an idea how close these guys actually were. Now, on the 1st of December, a British soldier could record a friendly visit from a German sergeant one morning to see how they were getting on. Uh, relations between French and German units were generally more tense, um, but the same phenomenon began to emerge. In early December, a German surgeon recorded regularly half-hourly truce each evening to recover dead soldiers for burial, which French and German soldiers exchanged newspapers and trinkets and stories and things like that all on the Western Front. Um, this behaviour was often challenged by officers. Um, it was written by uh, Lieutenant Charles de Gaulle on the 7th of December uh, that the desire of the French infantrymen to leave the enemy in peace while the commander of the 10th Army uh, said they were unfortunate consequences when men become familiar with their neighbours opposite. Um, so there was conflict higher up. And I think that goes to show with the fact that a lot of the officers on the Western Front had they had a job to do. They were well paid, a lot of them. A lot of them, especially on the British side, came from powerful families, aristocratic families. And there was definitely a sense of duty with the officers. Your regular foot soldier... No, he wanted to be home for Christmas. Um, other truces were forced on both sides due to things like bad weather when the trenches flooded. Um, there was also times where the ceasefires would happen on the Western Front so the opposition could repair their trench. Um, you know, it, it sounds really weird to think that there were these ceasefires, but Christmas 1914, this is the most famous one. Roughly 100,000 British and German troops were involved in the informal cessation of hostility along the Western Front. The Germans placed candles on their trenches and Christmas trees. Now, that may sound really simple, but Christmas trees in England only came during the Victorian times. In fact, by 1914, I wouldn't even say they were a regular place in many households across England. They probably were starting to be, 
but you'll have found there will be a lot of places that didn't have Christmas trees. Um, so the fact that the Germans used Christmas trees, the British could relate to them, um, probably not as much now as they did then. But, the, you know, there, there was this sort of peaceful scenario where they would put candles out, Christmas trees, doing singing the carols. Um, and like I said, the British would respond with, with their own carols um, and their own candles and things like that. And the two sides continued shouting Christmas greetings to each other um, over Christmas Eve. Uh, soon thereafter, there were excursions into no man's land. Just a handful of soldiers started to believe that they weren't going to get shot. You know, they, that that shout from the German soldier, you know shoot, we know shoot. Um, people believed that. So a few brave soldiers took that step out into no man's land where the German soldiers reciprocated and they met in the middle of this battlefield where people just days before had been obliterated, shot to death, blown up by shells, hit with grenades. You know, you could possibly find that the British soldier shaking hands with the German soldier who the day before shot his brother or shot his dad. It was a very surreal situation for people to be put into. Um, but the men did it. The men took the opportunity to cease fire and to go and talk to the soldiers on the opposite side. They exchanged food, tobacco, alcohol, uh, souvenirs. They even swapped things like buttons and hats and you know, a load of, I mean, if you look at some of the, the pictures online, you can still get them. There are pictures of British soldiers wearing German hats sat amongst German soldiers, um, you know, having, having fun and actually probably for the first time in six months or five months enjoying the war. Um, you know, the truce allowed a breathing spell where recently killed soldiers could be brought back to the lines. Um, joint services were held in many sectors the truths lasted all the way until new year's day now on christmas day brigadier general walter congrave commander of the 18th in infantry brigade uh, stationed near neuve chapelle uh, he wrote a letter uh, recalling the germans declared a truce for the day one of his men bravely lifted his head above the parapet and the others from both sides walked onto no man's land. Officers and men shook hands and exchanged cigarettes and cigars. One of his captains smoked a cigar with the best shot in the German army, the latter no more than 18 years old. Congrave admitted he was reluctant to witness the truce for fear of German snipers. There's other accounts from... Um, you know, from other people who were there on that day. Henry Williamson, a 19-year-old private in the London Rifle Brigade, wrote to his mother on Boxing Day. Dear mother, I'm writing from the trenches. It is 11 o'clock in the morning. Beside me is a coke fire. Opposite me, a dugout, wet with a straw in it. The ground is sloppy in the actual trench, but frozen elsewhere. 
In my mouth is a pipe presented by Princess Mary. In the pipe is tobacco, of course you say, but wait. In the pipe is German tobacco. Ha ha, you say, from a prisoner or found in a captured trench. Oh, dear no, from a German soldier. Yes, a live German soldier, from his own trench. Yesterday the British and Germans met and shook hands in the ground between the trenches and exchanged souvenirs and shook hands. Yes, all day, Christmas Day, as I write. Marvellous, isn't it? And that gives you a sense of a 19-year-old in the middle of this war, in one of the worst wars in human history um, for everything, and especially for the experience And that just gives you a little bit of an idea of how a 19-year-old thought about this. Um, Captain Robert Mills from the King's Shropshire Light Infantry, who was attached to the Royal Irish Rifles, recalled an edited letter that was published in the Daily Mail and the Wellington Journal in Shrewsbury News in 1915, following his death in action on the 30th of December 1914. So he died a few days after this letter was actually written. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol. Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Friday, Christmas Day. We are having the most extraordinary Christmas Day imaginable. A sort of unarranged and quite unauthorised but perfectly understood scrupulously observed truce exists between us and our friends on the front the funny thing is it only seems to exist in this part of the battle line on our right and left we can hear them all firing away as cheerfully as ever the thing started last night a bitter cold night with white frost Soon after dusk, when the Germans started shouting Merry Christmas, Englishmen, to us, of course, our fellows shouted back, and presently large numbers of both sides had left their trenches, unarmed, and met in the debatable, shot-riddled no-man's-land between the lines. Here, the agreement, all on their own, came to be made 
that we should not fire at each other until after midnight tonight. The men were all fraternising in the middle. We naturally did not allow ourselves to come too close to our lines and swapped cigarettes and lies in the utmost good fellowship. Not a shot was fired all night. So the British perspective of this was was very, very positive, especially amongst the normal soldiers. Now, it's very interesting to, to remember that this happened in the middle of a war. And to make it even more fun, um, and I think it is a fantastic story, there were many accounts of the truce that involved one or more football matches being played in no man's land. Now, this was mentioned in some of the earliest reports with the letter by the doctor attached to the rifle brigade. This was published in the Times on the 1st of January 1915, reporting a football match played between them, between them and us, sorry, in front of the trench. Similar stories have been told over the years, often naming units or even the score. Some accounts of the game bring elements of fiction uh, by Robert Graves, a poet and writer. Uh, he was also an officer on the front at the time who reconstructed the encounter in a published uh, in a story published in 1962. In Graves' version, the score was 3-2 to the Germans. Um, the truth of the account has been dis obviously disputed because he he embellished the story. Um, he certainly embellished it for um, public, you know, publicity. Now, the, the most common thing that was was said about these football games is they were essentially a a kickabout. Now, for those of you who are British, um, possibly Australian, you will heard of the saying "kickabout." Um, it's not a an actual game. Um, there's stories from British soldiers that sort of say, you know, we were out there and we were exchanging our gifts, and all of a sudden, uh, a football appears, and the football comes from the German side, and places you know people just started having a bit of fun kicking the ball backwards and forwards um it wasn't an organized game but it was a bit of fun and a bit of camaraderie um many units actually reported uh taking part in games but the majority of them were just a general kickabout in fact um the 133rd royal saxon regiment um, were pitched against the Scottish troops uh, and the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders uh, against unidentified Germans. So they didn't, uh, didn't. We don't know who the Germans they played were, but the Scots were reported to have won four-one. Um, now, if that's true, Scotland would actually have a decent football team. I don't believe that for a second. Um, I've never seen Scotland score four goals in anything. So uh, just a little bit of banter there. Uh, don't get too annoyed with me up there yeah, I'm not too far from Scotland so I don't want to be irritating anyone um, the Royal Artillery uh, against the Prussians and Hanovers near Ypres uh, the Lancashire F uh, Fusiliers uh, near Le Torquette uh, detail with a ration tin as a ball um, 
so they they didn't even have a football but they they played they played a a version of football with a with a ration tin how uh I, that certainly takes you back to uh, kick the can days. I know uh, we definitely had had that growing up, kick the can. So it's a, a very similar thing to that. Uh, one writer has identified 29 reports of football, um, though he does not give any substantial details of this. Um, again, that does, to me, throw in a bit of a spanner, especially as a historian. Um, if you're not going to give any details of it, then I think, I think you know it. It opens it up to debate as to whether it's legitimate or not. I think everything to me in history needs to be backed up, and if you can't back it up, then we're certainly going to question it. Now, you would think that this would be massive news uh, across Germany, across France, across England, and there would be a huge call for the end of the war. Something like this. To me, if it was made public knowledge that all the soldiers on the Western Front stopped fighting on Christmas Day because they didn't want to fight. No one wanted to fight. They wanted to play games. They wanted to have fun. They wanted to play football and exchange stories and tobacco and things like that with the the essentially the enemy. Um, I think public perception would have changed quite a little bit that's not what happened um as i'm sure you can imagine the war carried on for another four years um the truces were not reported for for a week Uh, the unofficial press embargo broken by the new york times published uh in the neutral united states at the time on the 31st of december and the british papers quickly followed printing numerous first-hand accounts from soldiers in the field um, who had sent letters home. One of the greatest surprises of a surprising war, um, which was one of the headlines, by the 8th of January, pictures have made their way to the press, uh, mainly the Mirror and Sketch, printed front-page photographs of British and German troops mingling and singing between the lines. The tone of the reporting was strongly positive, with the Times endorsing a lack of malice felt by both sides and the mirror regretting that the absurdity and the tragedy would begin again so there was quite a lot of positive feeling towards the truce from the british papers but it took them well over a week to actually publish anything um and i wonder had the new york times actually published anything whether the british papers would have even bothered because something like this had the potential to have stopped that war there and then um and obviously the mirror alludes to it there that the madness will start again and yeah that was pretty much the gist of of how it went um you know that we know now as historians looking back that the war carried on the war if anything got worse over the next few years the introduction of things like um, mustard gas and the airplanes and and tanks even joining the war you know even the americans joining the war ca- uh, canada joining the war um things like that just caused more and more 
death and and heartache across the globe that certainly wasn't necessary and like I said this truce in 1914 could have stopped it now the one question you will ask is if they had a truce in December 1914 surely they had a truce the following year at Christmas well no unfortunately um, after 1914 sporadic attempts were made at seasonal truces on the western front um, a German unit attempted to leave their trenches under a flag of truce on Easter Sunday 1915 but were warned off by the British opposite them Easter 1915 on the eastern front there were truces between orthodox troops of opposing sides but never again on the eastern front was there uh, sorry on the western front was there um another truce like it in fact in december 1915 there were orders by the allied commanders um that if any german soldiers were to step out of their trench on christmas day they were to be shot whether they're armed or not there will never ever be a repeat of the christmas truce of 1914 and it's quite upsetting to think how many people died in that war and how needless that war actually was um there is a clip that i will i will play for you because to me although it is from the end of the war it's not from it's not from the start of the war but to me it epitomizes the first world war and for those of you who haven't heard it before it is when the guns fell silent on november the 11th 1918 and if you hear it and understand you can hear the birds coming back you can hear wildlife coming back to life at the end of the ceasefire um and i can imagine that this is exactly what happened on that christmas day So yeah, there you go. That's the uh, that is actually the official sound of the end of the First World War, and at the end of it, like I said, you can hear the birds, the wildlife coming back to life. What scares me the most about that clip is they knew, and people ask me uh, they're going off topic a little bit here, but. You've not heard my voice for weeks, so you can enjoy the last uh, couple of minutes of me rambling on. Um, people ask me why I don't trust the government, why I don't 
believe what the government says so that they have our best interest at heart and to me that clip that clip right there that's why because they wanted to end the war on the 11th of November at 11 o'clock 11-11 that's what they wanted and they knew that they knew that for weeks that that was the date that it was going to end both sides knew that that was the date it was going to end because it ended bang on 11 o'clock which means there were men in those trenches for weeks and weeks being hit by artillery grenades and gunshot dying left right and center when all along both sides in the governments they knew that the war was finished they sent men to their deaths knowing there was no war the war had finished Uh, to me as soon as that truce was signed on a piece of paper as soon as that surrender was done that should have been it no waiting a couple of weeks no just to me that that's why I will never believe what the government tells me I will never I will never believe they've got my best interest at heart. So everyone obviously is entitled to their own opinion when it comes to things like that. And I don't want to to sway anybody. um, But that clip gets me every single time. Just the fact that you you can hear all the guns stop at the same time. They all know the war is ending at 11 o'clock. And... How long did the generals know? How long did the governments know? How many people were killed in the last few weeks, possibly even months of the war, when they really didn't need to be? They knew the result. They knew who had won and who had lost. But they still sent men out there to die. So... Although this story has now ended on a, a bit of a sour note, I do apologise for that. Um, I do hope you have enjoyed it because it is a it is a wonderful story to take out of uh, you know a horrible, horrible, horrible time in human history is the First World War, and to take something positive out of it, I think is a real importance. There aren't many positive stories from the First World War. This is certainly one of them. There was that belief in the soldiers that the man they were fighting on the other side was not the devil. They weren't, um, you know, hell ring, hell on earth or what, whatever you want to say. You know, there is that belief that the pe- they knew the people they were fighting were human and they wanted to share an experience with these men. Um, and you know let's be honest have a bit of peace for one day uh, in the four years that that war four and a half years that that war raged on so very very important point in our history Um, and like I said if any of you are interested in that John Lewis advert it is on YouTube you can get it I think just type in uh, John Lewis World War One advert something like that it'll come up Um, and it's a fantastic advert and it does show a little bit of what 
what we're talking about in this episode. I, again, I'm going to apologise that it, this episode has come to you so late. This was supposed to be a Christmas one. I wanted to see everyone sat round the fire uh, on Christmas Day, opening their presents, listening to my silky voice uh, and listening to This Week in History. Um, but unfortunately, I was certainly not in any <laughs> any capacity to record before Christmas. So uh, it has come to you a bit late. I do apologise. But going forwards into the new year, guys, there will be more and more and more episodes coming out. They will be going on to Patreon first. There will be more episodes going on to Patreon. So you will find going forwards where we're normally doing one episode a week you'll find there'll be one episode a week going on to Patreon and possibly one or two episodes a month going on to your normal feed. Um, This is mainly because um, there is absolutely no money in podcasting right now. Um, I do apologise for that. Um, It's not you guys' fault, but there's no money in in podcasting unless you have people on Patreon. so for me to keep doing this podcast uh, I need people on Patreon so the ones of you who the you know those of you who are on there who obviously have stayed with me for a few months um you will get more episodes than you will get on the normal feed for those of you who do want to come over to Patreon um it's $5 a month and I totally understand right now um, in the way the world is that uh, people don't have that much spare money um, so I do appreciate anybody who does put their hand in their pocket and and you know come over to Patreon for $5 a month is extremely important to, to keep this show going so for those of you who are interested or do want to support the show that's the best way to do it if you can't do that I say it every week get yourselves onto Facebook Leave me a review on iTunes and share the show. Share, share, share this show. The more people that listen to the show, the more episodes I can put on the free feed because the more people that listen, the more adverts go out, the more money is made on the free feed. So that's the way it goes. So if you want more episodes on the free, share the show with your friends and family. You don't have to pay for it. Just let them listen and enjoy being educated by myself, by Dan the Viking. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode, guys. Like I said, I do apologize that it has come so late in the year. Um, The next one you'll hear will be 2022, the roundup. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.